Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. I'm gonna knock you out. Mama said knock you out. I'm gonna knock you out. Mama said knock you out. I'm gonna knock you out. Oh, we. Oh, I didn't. No, it's great. I ran out of breath. <laughs> I'm not competitive in beatboxing. <laughs> <laughs> It's, is that just going to be it? It's just the other. So. Yeah. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Command Zone podcast. You are watching slash listening on a device, probably a mobile one, maybe your computer. Who knows? I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai, and uh, we are here with a very special guest. Hey. hey. We've got our good <laughs> hey, friend, yeah. Kyle Hill. Hello. Uh, formerly of the Because Science YouTube channel. And, well, you're of a new YouTube channel yeah, now. Yeah, you should, uh, just Kyle Hill now, doing all the sciencey stuff in a new location, uh, new channel. I'm super excited for all the super nerds to join me there, and I'm so happy to be back with you just after playing with you guys just the other day. That's so true, this is awesome. that's true. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about your new venture here in just a second. But also, the main topic of today's episode, you know, the world of Commander, it's been, it's always kind of been a little bit fractured between yeah. casual and competitive. I think... You know, within the last few months, maybe that rumbling has grown a little bit. We've had the uh, Thassa's Oracles come out. Yeah, some that's bannings, a whole and other thing. Bannings. Yeah. About so, a thousand threads on Reddit about it, too. Yeah. So today we are going to... We brought Kyle in because Kyle is very familiar with competitive EDH, CEDH, which we reference on the show a lot, but we don't go in-depth about. Yeah, so I've been dipping my toes kind of into this space, and I started out as a casual player through and through. You know, I started playing Magic uh, back in the late 90s when I was really young, but uh, right around when the first uh, Commander product came out, I think that was 2011, right? Mm, That's when I... Is it? I don't know. Was it? I okay, think hold it was on. Too- wait, wait, hold on. Before we get into the life story of Kyle. Oh, sorry. We are going to pause here and talk about our sponsor, cardkingdom.com slash command zone. If you want to buy any of those old commander products there from you go. 2011. Segway. If you want to buy uh, cards from when Kyle started playing, which was like 100 years ago, or <laughs> from cards from right now. So the unsanctioned product just came out. In fact, we just had a Game Nights episode about it. All those silver border cards are super, super fun. Theros Beyond Death is still... Really, really cool. Maybe you haven't got all those cards. Coria on the horizon. You probably can't pre-order quite yet, but I'd keep checking that website, cardkingdom.com slash command zone, because you will be able to very, very soon. 
And when you use our affiliate link, you're doing two things, getting magic cards, which you're going to do anyway, and supporting all of our content. So it really does help us out a lot. That's right. And the other way to support the show is by purchasing Ultra Pro products. Ultra Pro, we use their products in every single episode of Game Nights. They help sleeve our decks. They keep our cards safe and sound because we have a lot of value in our decks, especially when we're getting towards the competitive level. I only play with Ultra Pro uh, non-glare pro mat sleeves on every deck i love how they shuffle i love how they look and, and you and gotta shuffle a lot with cdh because you're playing so many games right well and also all the tutors yes there you go there you go uh, <laughs> if you buy Pro, you're also directly supporting the show so you can pick that up at card kingdom or your lgs or a big box retailer they really do make the best stuff to protect your stuff uh and the last way to support all of our content is directly if you go to patreon.com slash command zone you get to do cool things like watch game nights before the general public mm-hmm. you'll mm-hmm. brag about it that's right you can be like I knew the ending and nobody else knew. Um, you also get to chat with GB and I on Discord, on our Discord server, uh, depending on what reward tier level you're at. And also another perk is that we shout out one lucky patron every single episode. And this episode is dedicated to Peter Vase. Peter, oh. you rock. Peter, I'm going to knock you out. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa, whoa. No, just out of a four-player game, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) All right, yeah, Kyle, let's talk about really quickly here. um, Well, let's talk about your new YouTube venture really quick. So you were on Because Science, and now you're starting your own channel. How can people out there find it? I got a new thing. If you go to YouTube.com slash Kyle Hill Science or just search my name on YouTube, you can find out what I'm doing. I have a whole new way for you to get involved with all the nerdy things that we usually do, uh, talking about how you could make an optical time machine with a space mirror or put a boxing glove on the end of the arrow and see if it actually would knock someone out. (laughs) I'm going to knock you out. It's a song or even something like what is a sonic black hole? What is a black hole for sound? So all the same kind of geeky oh, things that were like the hedgehog. But yeah, that too. <laughs> well, if you spun fat anyway. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so we're getting up to all the same geeky stuff, but new place. And because it is fully owned and operated by myself, you can go uh, to the channel and to my own Patreon, which is just my name, and you can get involved and do all the same kind of... Look, I look to you guys for a lot of the Patreon stuff. You guys are doing an awesome job with your community. I want to get in on that game. Yeah. So that's what we're doing now. Uh, I'd hope if you like sciencey stuff, you, which you probably do, because I think the Venn diagrams for magic players and sciencey stuff. I think when we did that uh, Turing machine, yeah, the video Turing with machine you, episode, it really showed yeah. that like yeah. Yeah. a lot of cross. An unbelievable uh, reception for that, and we have a part two. Well, I want to do a part two, but we can do that pretty soon. But yeah, uh, check out the channel, the new stuff, and uh, get nerdy with me. Support Kyle. He puts a lot of work into his videos. Oh, and shows two hundred eighty weeks in a row until. A couple weeks ago, yeah. video every that's week. Yeah, that's five, around us. Yeah, five and a half years. Five and a half years, something like that. No break though. We've taken a break once or twice. In no the break. Day, yeah, so. yeah. yeah. Kyle's putting us to shame here. More people to help us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's just my brain. Okay, let's talk about you and um, competitive. Sure. Magic here. Well, okay. Well, let's get into the main topic, which yeah. is casual versus competitive. Casual is known to our audience. It's what we generally talk about on the yeah. show. Everybody out there should be familiar. Our power scale, you know, that we've talked about a lot, uh, we're usually around the sevens and eights. Yeah. Kyle, you've really recently gotten a lot more into CEDH, which is more on the nine and the ten. Yes. The very high level. Ultimate power. Yeah, so <laughs> you, you, you've gotten into CEDH. Do you want to discuss just sort of your history getting into CEDH yeah. and why you like well, it? it's funny you ask that because, I mean, there is other influences, of course, but Y'all were almost directly instrumental in this, so I'm going to blame you. Oh, for uh, CEDH? A little, bit, a little bit because I had uh, just serendipitously pulled a Savala Heart of the Wilds out of a conspiracy uh, box, just in a, in a pack. Right. And uh, 
it was sitting in my deck box for a long time. Like, why did, why is this a $50 card? You know? And then I, I, I brewed like a big, uh, you know, big dumb monsters kind of version of Silvala heart of the wilds. And it's like, wow, this is really strong. And then I heard an episode of the command zone with DJ, I believe when you were right, talking yep. about how to build a Silvala deck tech and DJ was mentioning some other cards you could start to include if you wanted to go high power, uh-huh. uh, cards like Lupine prototype or Phyrexian dreadnought or Phyrexian soul gorger, um, basically function as big rituals in that deck that go towards combo infinite mana that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. just so happens that those cards are also pretty cheap so i started tuning up the sovala deck and then i tuned it up so much that i was looking online for lists like how good does this thing get that led me into cedh lists and discords Uh, sovala happens to be a very competitive very fast list and from there i kind of dove in um and i want to be really clear though i'm a total noob in the cedh space i have a few decks that are in the 10 level but for this episode, because I wanted to get it right, um, I did talk to people in the CEDH community on their Discord, especially uh, Shaper Savant, who runs the CEDH Discord, and is mm-hmm. one of the most prolific deck builders out there that there is. Um, so I'm just trying to maybe give a, shed a little bit of light into this chasm of, hey, you're doing that, but I want to do this. You know. Right, and and Jimmy and I have a lot of contact with the CEDH world too, even though we don't play it, obviously, you know, because we are very front-facing commander players and a lot of them come to us. Also, I'm on the commander advisory group, so people like the Spike Feeders, and we have a lot of people on our Discord uh, mm-hmm. that are patrons of our show that are, you know, CDH players. And there's a lot of players like yeah. you, Kyle, that kind of, I think people think you're either casual or you're competitive. There's a whole bunch of players that do both and kind of yeah. bring both kinds of decks on their, you know, their commander nights or whatever. Yeah, and so, I think we're seeing that uh, content-wise, too. I mean, just yeah, a, a channel yeah. that recently popped up uh, casually competitive. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. is trying to fuse the two, where it's like, yeah, we're still having fun, but very high power, very fast stuff. So I, I think there's room for both, but we can get into that. Yeah, so uh, one thing I want to say before we sort of start the discussion is I feel like there's this there's this thing out there among casuals, because every time we talk about CADH or competitive EDH, we kind of get yelled at by a certain subsection of our audience. One or the other, too. <laughs> you, it's well, the like CADH audience right. will yell at us for talking about, like, for saying Vidalcan Ori is good or something, because that's not something that is good in CADH. Um, but Sounds crazy, right? Yeah, but uh, speaking directly to the casuals who are right now, like, mad listening to us, being like, oh, they're going to talk about competitive. And yeah, I, first of all, how dare you? <laughs> uh-oh, uh-oh, Kyle's feeding into the stereotype. <laughs> I'm good at me, it's fine. So the, the, third, the thing I wanted to say was that I have this, I feel like casuals kind of think of competitive EDH or CEDH as like this intellectual contagion. Like if you talk about it, you might get infected. By then you're going to infect other people and they're yeah. suddenly going to like it. And the casuals don't want a lot of people to like CEDH. And they so they get mad. They get mad at us when we talk about infinite combos. Don't even talk about the infinite combos. Then no one will know about them and no one will want to do them. And yeah. it's like, that's ridiculous to yeah. me. If people like competitive EDH and they hear about it and they decide they like it, then they're playing Magic the way they like it, and yeah. that's what they should be doing. Like, I think really not- what is being described is a miscommunication, really. Uh, I think a, a lot of these can stem from bad experiences that people have had not mm-hmm. being on the same wavelength uh, as their playgroup or people they meet at a, a Command Fest or something like that, uh, or a Magic Fest, rather. And uh, when you do get you know comboed out turn three and you weren't expecting that, yeah, there's a lot of feel-bads there. There. But uh, as we will get into a little bit, 
if you're actually talking with someone and you know what the game is and what the social contract is or not, then I think there's a lot more space to play in it and not feel bad and not be like, oh, no, but we don't, you know, we don't play land destruction. It's like, well. If we talked about it beforehand, we don't really have to have that uh, discussion there. A big thing, too, that I find a lot of casuals uh, that get angry about is that you casuals can have decks between 1 and 8. Right. CDH decks are between 9 and 10. Yeah. So if you bring a 2 or 3 to the table and someone has a 6 or a 7, it's going to feel like yeah. you're playing a CDH deck, yeah. even if you don't actually know what the term completely means. And that's sort of what this episode is about, too. So it's about helping define the differences between the two and also just to clear the air. And I think there's kind of a, a misnomer or some kind of stigma here just going on. When we say, like, competitive versus casual right like it, it has some stigma like i when i say that like i'm looking down on you because you don't play the game as seriously as and it's like no it's not like it's a, this is the same distinction between tabletop magic and bringing that uh you know to a world championship you mm-hmm. know there, there's there's just a distinction between how uh you know how you're building your deck and your mindset it's not i'm better than you it's not i'm playing better than you or i'm fancier or whatever i think our word choice is kind of inflecting some kind of bad feelings on it where i'm i play casual too right the majority of my 25 decks are casual i have two that are competitive so uh yeah there's there's a there's a breath the stigma really does come from the feel bad moments when you do play against someone that does something and says no you can't do that you're wrong and then all of a sudden instead of being like oh they're just a more experienced player or they're just kind of being a butthole about it it, people group that category into they're being competitive, thus they are a competitive EDH player, and then you get into yeah. this whole world where no one wants to play with the tryhard or the pub stomper. And again, this episode is trying to clear up those differences so that you can differentiate what a CEDH deck is and why it does what it does, as opposed to just that deck is more powerful or that player is more inconsiderate. I would say most of the time that label gets thrown out. CEDH, it's probably not even... No. Correct. They probably weren't playing a CDH deck. No, what they did is something yeah. you didn't like, but that doesn't yeah. me- immediately make their deck competitive. And so then competitive EDH among casuals becomes a derogatory statement where it really shouldn't be. It's a way that you choose to play the game. Um, so I guess the first talking point we should talk about here is what is competitive EDH? Uh, Kyle, you jotted down some points here that we're yeah. going to go through. Do you want to start with the first one? Yeah. So when I was thinking about this, what really makes a competitive deck or competitive mindset different? And... Um, To me, competitive means running the most powerful decks possible. There's no budget, there's no social contract, and you prioritize winning. And when I say there's no social contract, I mean, in the context of EDH, you don't have the things like, okay, we generally don't blow up each other's lands or try to stop other people from doing anything. Where in CEDH, if that is a viable win condition, you do it. And whenever... There's there's no, like, nothing's off limits. You just try and win as fast as possible. Now, there's some stuff people don't do because it's not likely to win. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, if you want to mass land destruct, you want infinite turns, infinite combo of any kind, stacks, counter everything, that's all fine. This is taking the logical extension of, you know, this is a game and there are winners and losers right. to like okay well let's see who wins this one right, rather yeah. than you know let's see what happens in general i would um, almost say that if you played the game and it was all as almost as though you're playing a computer at, against a computer there's no emotional why would you do that it's just hey i'm going to take the optimal thing to try and win the game as fast as possible there's no you know like the debate back and forth of the hey if you don't do this i'll do this for you like don't yeah. attack me it's just we're all sitting down trying to win as fast as possible yeah and again I, I feel like maybe we don't hear the other side of this coin uh often enough where it's like you know there's that politicking like oh you know, please don't do this or do that kind of thing the other side of it and the competitive side is when you know someone force of wills your combo piece or something like that you get you kind of have to sit back and being like 
that was nice. <laughs> I, I was gonna win, but you got like there. It, yeah. There's more like good plays that you can um, that you can point out and be like, that was really good interaction, or that was a really good play, or just not feel as bad about it happening. Yeah, because like, everyone's trying to do the same thing. Everyone's trying to do the same thing. Yeah, the, the, you're not analyzing things on the layer of was that fun. Yeah. Right. It's only on or, the layer of was that pers- was that or was that personal. Yeah. There's yeah. none of that. It's just did that. Is that the optimal play? Yeah. For that? Did that move the game towards somebody winning? Hopefully yourself. If you ever watch competitive Magic one v one, it's a very right. similar right. mentality. They're not looking across the table and being like, "Hey, Paulo, could you like not attack for a turn? I haven't drawn my land yet." There's yeah. none like, of that. Can you imagine? <laughs> how dare Paul- you steal yeah. my creature and attack yeah. me with it? Yeah. yeah. Can, you, yeah. can you imagine <laughs> Paulo being something like that? Oh, come on! <laughs> you know that'd be that'd be crazy. Uh, another big part about uh, CEDH, obviously, as you can probably suspect, is speed. Speed is the name of the game, and you. You can kind of bring this down even to turns. So you guys mentioned this in your power episode as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, and I'm uh, talking with the CDH community, if you aren't prepared to deal with the threat of a win by turn three, the deck probably isn't competitive. Most of these decks can just goldfish a win on turn four. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you're going beyond that, um, the deck edges out of competitive. We can talk about what decks are competitive, but in the metas right now, most of these decks can assemble a win if they if there's They're no... They're threatening in- a win. Yes, yeah. if there's no interaction. Right. Um, That's what we said, I think, on the end of this episode was what we said before turn four before yeah if you're if you goldfish it and your deck can threaten a win consistently four or before it's pro it could be competitive yeah if it it can't do that it i wouldn't call it a 10 yeah 10 and maybe it could be a nine yeah but and that then that uh goes into the next point about uh cdh decks and how they're different is there's minimized variance so uh i know a lot of the c uh i know i know a lot of the edh mindset is to you know I'm going to put all these crazy spells in there and we'll just see what happens, see with the game. Well, the more competitive mindset is, I know what I want to have happen. I enjoy when that happens. And so I'm going to minimize variance as much as possible to make that happen. So because it's a singleton uh, format, the variance that you get in that format is something to be minimized in competitive play rather than just like reveled in and, oh, I have no idea what's going to happen. No, I want to know exactly where I'm going. Not to say that non-competitive decks don't have that as well. Competitive decks is more like redundant. I have like five different ways if I get this one thing out, I know it can win in these branches. Sort of like I planned it out already. But we've told people on this show one of the best ways to sort of power down your deck is just take tutors out of it. Mm -hmm. And that is directly inverse to what are the best ways to power up your deck which yeah. is to put more tutors in it. And competitive decks basically run as many tutors that are reasonable that they can because they're trying to do one specific thing. Usually, most competitive decks are going to win in a very specific way, like yeah. 90% of the time. Yeah. And I liked what you said there, which is variance as a format pillar. Yeah. Casuals want the variance for the fun of it. Yeah. So they want to lean into the fact that there's variance. They like the variance. The variance makes it more exciting for them yeah, and they every revel game, in every game could be different they revel in the fact that like my deck it doesn't win it does different things every time or, i play I've, it i've never seen my deck do that before yeah that's, that's awesome. awesome and that is fun yeah 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 but competitives actually what you said they view the variance as like a hurdle they're trying to overcome and so the variance is like 
a puzzle to be solved. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's the, the perfect framing. I think rather than saying like, well, I have all the tutors and I'm always going to beat you this way. When you're playing these kinds of games, it is more like, all right, I know I have to, I have these three win cons. And mm-hmm. given all this interaction, I have to figure out this puzzle and play really well to get to that place. So it's more like, you know, navigating a labyrinth rather than just, you know, just being lost in the, in the forest or something it's like that. It's interesting you talk in those ways because if you speak to somebody... Uh, like very good players like I know I've had discussions like this with Melissa DeToro who's one of the best magic players of all time she has framed playing magic in general to her is that way it's like a puzzle Mm -hmm. that she's trying to solve and again we need to say that like I don't think either of those directions is right or wrong there's no right or wrong right it's like I like the variance of the format thing too yeah but I understand that like the fact that it's a puzzle that you want to solve and become the most efficient at is what calls to some people and neither one's right or wrong like that's yeah it's just what you deem the most fun it's yeah. also, for it's, some people the yeah. variance is like hey there's three other commanders around the table that i don't my deck's really good at dealing with two of them maybe not the third one and that's the puzzle for them for cdh yeah it really is just a mindset too like oh <laughs> first yeah i don't know how many well, you've never been on the podcast before have I Wait. keep thinking he said first, but I was like, yeah, yeah, because he's been on extra turns and game nights. I think that was perfect. It didn't hit. It didn't go back on the table, so you did fine. Yeah, yeah, we'll just yeah. pretend it's not down there on your lap. Yeah. Don't and, move. No one will know. Anyway, I, I don't know how many times we have to say it, but I'll just say it one last time. Like Josh said, everyone plays the game however they want, and it's all fine. We're never, ever saying one way is more right than the other. We're just trying to explain the differences. Okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, and so the last sort of point, and it's probably not the last difference, but the last sort of major one we're going to go over here uh, about what makes competitive EDH what it is, is there's tons of interaction in the format. Yeah, and and more than you're even thinking. And, and when I say that, like, uh, you know, this is like a deck building challenge, so y'all often bring up your rubric, which right. is a good rubric. And uh, for most decks, this is like... You want to say what it is? Oh, so uh, usually when you're building a commander deck... Uh, casual. Casual. Uh, 10 ramp spells, 10 card draw spells, or what, he, what could be considered card draw spells, uh, five board wipes and five targeted removal. That's a that's a general rubric. And uh, when I first started listening to this podcast, I started doing that and it made my decks better. It, right. it, it's fine. Mm-hmm. But when you look at uh, CEDH lists... It's almost confusing because they're running like 30 to 35 instants. Yeah. <laughs> and they and the instants m- may not have any synergy between them. They are just counter, destroy, bounce, counter, you know, Silver things bullets, like that. Basically. Silver bullets, yes. So I mean their their win the game package is actually usually pretty small. Yeah, it's a it bunch can, of tutors. Yes. And then three or four cards maybe that are going to win you the game and yeah. then everything else is stop my opponents from winning yeah, some re- and, really and good get creature. a lot of mana yeah right. some yeah. really good creatures some really good enchantments uh, which we can get into so uh but uh yeah especially in in the most powerful colors like green black and blue there is more or less a package of 20 to 25 instants and sorceries that go into all, all of them, of them. Yeah. because yeah. they are just and that's the minimizing variance again that is that is just because they are so good at doing what they do they're so efficient so low cmc um whether that be pact of negation or uh swan song or vampiric tutor uh or abrupt decay assassin's trophy those are all in there we've often on the show sort of referred to competitive edh decks as like a, sometimes closer to legacy decks than they yeah. are to, when we, when, like uh, casual when ben like, bateman was here yeah um and he plays that format a lot he built a deck uh was it sig river cutthroat river guide river guide uh that was in that style it was a canadian highlander deck yeah, or it was like a, a 
Highlander roulette deck, but yeah. It had so much interaction, you know, the rest of the table's like, what, what, what's going on? It's like, counter, destroy, counter. Yeah. And it ends up being pretty good because yeah. he's actually kind of close to a competitive EDH deck, not all the way there, but yeah. yeah. Um, so it's funny because, well, I do have one competitive EDH deck that I rarely play. We haven't, but, played, but, we haven't played together yet with that one. Yeah, but my best, I guess I kind of have a stacks deck, Derevi stacks, which is that, close. Your, your Derevi stacks is pretty oppressive, yeah. But, um... My best, like, sort of eight that can punch up and play with competitive decks is my Vile Smasher Thrasios deck. Because yes. that deck has, like, 25 single target removal spells. Yeah. I, I want to cast Instance on other players' turn and trigger Vile Smasher. And so, mm -hmm. that it's not, it doesn't combo out. It's, it's missing that part of the puzzle. Yeah. But what it has is the ways to stop my opponents when they're going off. And so, it can at least play. It's not going to, like, win a lot of games yeah. in CEDH, but it doesn't feel like it's not it's not able to compete at all well and you'll you have made the point on the podcast before um another competitive distinction is that some win cons and some commanders are just inherently more powerful and like you're saying with uh thrasios and vile smasher that partner pairing can be tuned up to a 10 right, right. Uh, a full 10 whereas something like a kakusho you just never yeah. it, that's yeah. never gonna get to a 10 it could probably get Pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but it just going to be based more around the cards in the deck than the commander. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, so not all commanders are created equal. Not all win conditions are created equal. You want to look at the color, uh, their CMC, and uh, what I was told by CEDH masters in the community. Uh, also, you want to minimize the number of zones you have to interact with. That's interesting. Yeah, I so, remember so, you put that down on the sheet. Yeah, so, the, so if you have to deal with the command zone and also the graveyard and also your hand instead of just doing an ETB, right. like a Thassa's Oracle kind of win or something like that, um, that's a much better, more concise, more protectable win con. Um, right. So there's a lot that goes into it. And again, it's it's more of this puzzle game for me when you're trying to fight around all of these, you know, these arrows coming in at you and you're trying to dodge and weave. And, you know, it, it's a different kind of mindset, but when you're in it, it feels really good. All right, let's move on here. We're going to talk a little bit about how um, competitive is different than casual. Uh, slash serious. I would say it goes casual, serious, and then competitive. Wait, we're creating a new. Yes. I would say right, that right now on the. I was thinking about it. I think between seven and eight, you take <laughs> the game. You are a casual player, but you do take the game slightly more seriously well, because your deck is powerful. I mean, you, got, you guys have given me this reputation. So, like, no, 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 I created yourself this reputation. But what I'm, what I'm saying is, like, we've transmitted it. My Yarick deck, for example, <laughs> isn't competitive, right. but it's definitely not casual. It's, sure, it's if we want to create granularity, which I don't know what that does for everybody. Like, yeah. I think most decks... I see what you're saying. I, I, just think, think, yeah. I think most decks, like, below, from eight to, like, five, can play together. Right. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. your Yarick deck, it's very strong for a casual deck, but it can play with oh, yeah. weaker casual decks. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, like, your what are your CDH decks? Savala uh, and... I have two CDH decks. Uh, one is Savala, Heart of the Wilds, and the other is Najila, the okay. Blade Blossom. Well, Najila, oh, right. the, the number one, I think, at the moment, or close to it. She's, yeah, she's uh, tier one, pretty close. Okay, so Najila cannot play nicely with... A seven. No, it's it's more it's like if, if you start using Najila herself, it's gonna start getting I mean, pretty bad. If yeah. you play the just deck, how it's just attacking. Yeah. If you play the deck though, the how it's supposed to be like short of like just not playing certain cards, yeah. like choosing to. Like if you just play that deck, it cannot play with a seven. Oh, even like even like the first sliver is yeah. hard to play right. nicely. Right. So yeah. but Yark can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so yeah, I mean 
yeah, I don't know. I just don't feel the need to create another level because maybe people get this idea that like, oh, well, I'm in casual. Now I can't play with the people in the other thing. And I just don't think that's mostly true. I think the word casual just implies uh, a slightly more of a connotation than some because I would like, for instance, let's say you sat down with an eight and you wanted to play powerful commander. I wouldn't say I'm playing casually, right? My deck may be considered casual, but the play style that I'm bringing to it may be closer to competitive, but not fully competitive. I, I agree with you both three. because I see I see there is a distinction, but I don't know if I want to add a distinction. Yeah, just I don't want to add a layer that we got to refer to. How, now about, because... how is CEDH unique? Let's keep going yeah. here. <laughs> or how is it different than casual? Different than the uh, the non the CEDH? Other, yeah, non CEDH. Yeah, and something something I noticed immediately when uh, getting uh, getting my feet wet here and watching gameplay videos and trying to do it myself is uh, a lot of different mindsets. So one of them is that uh, life totals are are an absolute resource. So many reviewers will know of really powerful cards like Necropotence, yeah, uh, right. one of the most powerful cards ever printed. Um, but that is because it's using your life total as a direct resource for card advantage. Now, I think if you're not familiar with how strong that card is, you're like, do I really want to pay like five life to refill my hand? You know, I'm already at, you know, 25. Or We're, 25 life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A competitive deck, you will, oh, I'm going to pay 20 life and put 20 <laughs> aside. Right. And it feels bad if you're if you're not considering your life total as a resource. Right. And so because life is a resource, it's really important to pressure that, maybe more so than in casual or serious games, like this battle cruiser style magic where we all build up our boards for seven turns and then we do it. No, it's more like if I can chip in damage with a Deathrite Shaman, you know, turn two, it's worth it because they're going to ad nauseum right. for, and that's just less for ad nauseum 35 life, you know. See, I think casuals do this too, though. I think they use life as a resource and they understand that. They just maybe don't go all quite as all in. But I think in general, people understand Necropotence is good and why and like Treasonous Ogre and stuff like that. Sure, like, but I very rarely they see... They just don't combo out with that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Different. I very rarely see people going down to like... I'm going to pay 35 life into this and right. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going all out. Because that kind of all in, I'm going to win now mentality is more competitive. I don't yeah, think it's yeah. because casuals don't understand life as a resource. Oh, sure. They're just not generally trying to get to the end of the game on turn five if they can. God dang it, I thought I turned that off. Let's just leave <laughs> it in, five. it's fine. Unproof. Yeah. My 5 p.m. <laughs> alarm just gets me every yeah. time. Um, I think, yeah, the, the big difference is that CDH wins are usually combo-based. Yes. So it doesn't matter if you're at 1 or at 40, exactly. if your opponents are all You one. can you're still winning. be just as strong at 1. Right. right, but casual decks are not going to combo out. So for them, like, it's not useful to take 30 cards oh, yeah. with Necropotence because 30 cards isn't going to do a whole lot more for them than 12 cards yeah. because they they're still win. not going to yeah. find a combo, yeah. right? Because they didn't build their deck to combo out. Yeah, Whereas yeah. if you did... So, yeah, it's interesting. I like what you said, though, about how pressuring life total can be more important, like pressuring life total earlier can be more important in competitive than in casual because that's just less cards they can draw with necro Necropotence or less mana they can make with Treasonous Ogre. Yeah, I don't know about yeah. you, but like most of the commander games I play, if you have like uh, Llanowar Elves out or something like that and you don't need it for mana, you'll just pass. We usually swing now. We used to be in the don't make anybody mad, but we've kind of brought yeah. our play group around to like, you just know. Just get the game just, going. Yeah, just, just <laughs> no one's going to hold a grudge for two. Just But, uh, just, but I know not everyone, not everyone, yeah. not every play group plays like that. So and we used like, to actually espouse like not doing it because it's not worth making somebody mad for mad for two uh, just roll a dice now we're like yeah exactly <laughs> exactly two four six all right uh the next point is that conditional quote unquote bad cards can actually be good this is something that 
we've talked about these cards a lot on our show, and I think these cards are, again, good and casual as yeah. well. Reap is one of those cards. Yeah, which you just mentioned. We just talked about. Yeah. Uh, Carpet of Flowers is one of those cards that we've talked about before. Mystic Remora, another card. Yeah, I, talked I, about think, a lot. I think it's this idea of like, well, what if someone isn't playing Islands for Carpet of Flowers? Or um, do I have to pay, you know, a cumulative upkeep cost for Mystic Remora? But these cards are so efficient, and most of the games you will play, someone will be playing blue, someone will be playing black for sure, and so you are getting value for very, very low cost. Mystic Remora is one, right, and right. no one will ever pay the four to stop you drawing Doesn't make any cards. Sense. So if yeah. you and if you get on turn one, everyone's going to be probably casting stuff on turn one. They're mana rocks. Yeah. So even well, if, especially in if you pay one yeah. mana to draw three or four cards, that is. Nuts. I, I mean, I will go so. I will go as far as saying that, basically, for not running Mystic Remora in any blue deck that you have, I would look at it because it, it is just so efficient for what it does. I mean, again, I will say it's actually a worse card in casual because in competitive you play it. You have to competitive decks have to be able to win by turn four. Yes. So they have to cast a lot of spells on turn two, th- two and three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If someone's playing now a mana a casual crypt, deck, yeah. you could easily play Mystic Remora, and they just don't play anything. And that's happened, like in yeah. uh, like in a Modrotha deck, which where, is where it's like, oh, come on, cast. Yeah. Like, people are playing mana dorks or whatever. It's like, come, come on. So it's actually a, in a funny way, like the card is less good in casual just yes. because of the way that casual plays out. Although you're right, Mystic Remora is still awesome, and I put it in almost every blue deck. But I understand. All right, the next point is deck building challenges you said they are interesting and more critical yeah well not to say that you know it's 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 better or anything but like like we were saying about the rubric there's interesting changes one being uh the interaction is so dang high like 30 instants or so very low creature counts depending on the deck there are decks that are very very high uh like uh competitive animar decks with like Mm -hmm. 40 creatures in them but that's because that's how animar works uh another thing though is and this one struck me as weird. There are almost no wraths at all. Yeah. And uh, so when I was using uh, your rubric to build, you know, I would be looking for, okay, well, where's a, oh, I have an extra wrath of God here. And, you know, here's a... Uh, Steer command. Austere command. And uh, it's got to be good. This, this exiles everything. This is great. But competitive decks run almost none of them aside from the... Well... They all run Cyclonic Rift because right. you should be running Cyclonic Rift. But, uh, well, it's because it has a two CMC mode. Yes. Yeah. But uh, if it's like four CMC or higher, it's too expensive. It, it's too expensive. Pretty Especially much, for a removal spell. Yeah, pretty much everything in all of these decks is below four CMC. If it's if it's above that, it's either a critical combo piece or it's a commander. Right. I, we've actually moved on to the next talking point, so I'm just yeah. going to highlight it here and you can continue, but it's that the decks have very low mana curves. Yeah, yeah. It, and, and we're talking about like average casting cost of like two. So right. so they're getting off of the ground very very fast. They don't they don't want or need those turn 7 drop 8 mana cards because they could get to their win conditions with certain number of tutors by turn 3 or 4. Um so yeah, the average converted mana cost is super exceedingly low and I think just in general that's something you can look at in your own decks too. Start bringing those costs down even when it starts feeling like you're cutting some of your, you know, pet cards or something like that. On average, I feel like it's a it's a smoother play experience when you have so much interaction and draw and that kind of thing. What's a pet card if you don't play it most of the time anyway? If it's too expensive, also most exactly. board wipe sorcery speed. Yes, no there man. is there is one I believe uh, toxic 
Toxic Deluge is run in most of the it's black ones uh, because three mana. three mana, you can use your life as a resource as well as one. I remember, uh, Jimmy, you were mentioning like, wow, I've never even seen this card. There's a lot of cards like that in CDH. Like yeah. Reap, as you mentioned, like, wait, what is this card? Another one is Fire Covenant. Which you mentioned before, mm-hmm. uh, for three mana, it's in my inst- deck. Yeah, three mana instant speed. You can pay X life to distribute damage among any number of creatures. So you can get like ten mana dorks if they're all out or they're relying on right. some critical, uh, critical like kiki jiki combo or something like that. Um, it's a really strong card uh, and cards you don't really see in casual play. Yeah, because casuals in general, we don't want to use our life that way because the game's going to go longer. This works in CADH because I'm going to take my life total down to five, but when it comes back to my turn, I'm going to combo out and win. Yes. And so you don't need a wrath also because they're not going to have time to get enough creatures to attack me down to zero. But I like feeling that pressure too because it's like, okay, they just ad nauseum down to one. Yeah. Can I? (laughs) Better go get it. Better do something. All right, here (laughs) we go. Can I do one damage? Oh, man. Can anyone (laughs) just bolt this guy? Gut shots. Come on. Okay, so we've covered what CDH is, how it's different than casual. We're going to go into the pros and cons of CDH, the debate part of the great debate episode. I will be representing the CDH part. (laughs) We're going to talk about what people love, what they hate, what they love to hate about competitive commander. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a message from our sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, It can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly. Which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. 
Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. All right, we are back to the fascinating discussion of the pros and cons of competitive EDH. Uh, this is the time that we're all going to probably raise our voices a little bit. And oh, I'm, definitely get, I'm coming in hot. The internet commenters, get your fingers ready on those keyboards because we're going to go pros and cons. Yeah, you guys have to deal with this a lot more than I would. Keyboard cage fighters. Yeah. <laughs> oh, internet art was it the armchair enthusiasts. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to do... They've already typed a lot of stuff in all caps getting <laughs> mad know, at us. Right? <laughs> at three, at th- uh, minute 30, you said this. Like, yeah, we did. All right. Um, so we have a lot of pros and cons here. It's going to be more of a free flow discussion. Mm. But let's just get into it with the first pro. And Kyle, since you are on Team CEDH, yeah. and by the way, I would say all of us are on Team CEDH because I'm also on Team Casual. And yeah, I'm also me too. On, yeah. I'm on Team, like, do what you find yeah. fun. Yeah. Kyle has found CEDH and he enjoys playing it. I'm on Team Kyle should be having fun playing Magic. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I like Kyle and I like yeah. Kyle when but he I play, fun. But I play both. Yeah, uh, exactly. So my first... But still kill him first. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, okay, yeah. They so, always do around here. The first... Pro, we, it's funny, we've trained our play group. It's great. It is. Uh, the, <laughs> I mean, it is the right decision. Yeah, they're not wrong. Threat assessment. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the first uh, pro mm. of CEDH, the first upside here that you got down it's that games are shorter yeah and i and i know that sounds kind of simplistic but you know no, it's awesome you've all yeah. you've all been at the end of a night and you've been playing for six hours eight hours or whatever like okay i just don't want to go home can we jam just a couple more games cedh decks are perfect for that if mm-hmm. you are and and we've done this like yep. okay yeah it's 10 p.m get your strongest thing out let's so go last game of the night. if you win in turn three shuffle up let's do it again you can get so I, th- I think my last time I played, uh, last time playing with you, uh, with your wonderful play group and all your editors, um, I think we played three games. Right. In the same space of time. It takes uh, about four hours, maybe, I'd yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the same space of time, I can play about 15. Right, okay. And when I play those 15 games, I feel like I'm learning how to pilot my deck better. I'm, I'm navigating those puzzles, doing those mental games, and I'm uh, learning about other people's decks, and I'm more engaged a lot of the time. There's not really a whole lot of time where you can take out your phone and check it, whereas some right. games... at any moment, somebody could be winning the yeah. game. Oh, yeah. wait, someone is... Yeah, so uh, I feel like sometimes in a lot of games, it's more like, okay, it's turn seven, turn eight, and you're like... What's Twitter doing? You know, but uh, True. when you when you're playing 15 games, learning about your deck and how to play it, I even keep statistics on wins and losses and time spent and stuff like that. I would say the con to that is that you don't. There's an get, app for it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get to have those big crazy moments that sure. involve five people all casting huge spells that are six plus CMC. You kind of you know it's you're on the faster side of things, so you do lose that side of it. But again. You might say that that is more or just as enthralling yeah. as those big plays. I mean, I, as a, as a devil's advocate counterpoint, you know, I've seen a lot of people play a lot of games where someone walks by the table and it's like, is that the same game? And they're like, yeah, he board wiped again and then she <laughs> removed everything. Like, I don't know if that's necessarily the optimal use of time in some of those cases that's all i'm saying i mean i would say uh, because we've we've talked about a lot on the show how the length of games in commander is definitely like a thing that we have to be careful about and i'm definitely like against certain rules changes or things simply from that will make games longer and i think we're kind of like 
as long as we want games to get mm -hmm. things that are making games shorter i think are generally good for the format sure um so i, I think it is definitely a pro that com competitive games are faster like that it's hard to say that that's worse than slower games however there is a point i think at which they become more like limited or something in which case why am i not just playing limited and commander is the space that a lot of people go to to have a different experience than that well fine would you consider that our con Okay, yeah, yeah. So let's... Oh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah. we so really the, did. The, con, the con we've got down. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, co-host Kyle. No problem. Uh, so the con we have down is it, it makes Commander more like the other formats. Mm -hmm. Yeah, vintage and legacy and strictly competitive formats, People that ones that people usually play 1v1. Uh, I would say that people say that CEDH isn't in the spirit of what EDH is about, which is about the big, fun, splashy stuff, the huge plays, the, what Wizards have sort of tended their pre-cons towards. Yeah. Commanders that cost six, seven, eight, Eight mana even sometimes. Yeah, and I will say I don't have a, a, a perfect rebuttal for this. I mean, it does push it towards the play style and the play patterns of other formats. However, I will say that when you're looking for the big splashy plays, you know, the Mind's Dilation into an Avacyn or something like that, or when uh, I was playing with Kess and he Chaos Warped my Avacyn and then he shuffled and cut my deck and then I revealed Avacyn, <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. I love it. But um, with a little reframing of your mindset, like, like I've been saying, um, you can still get those... I can't believe it moments when you're, you know, the stack is five spells high and then like, oh, wait, do they have the thing? Well, I'll draw a card off the top and it's a force of will, you know, like right. there, there are still these crazy moments that can all happen in the span of just like one uh, cycle of priority. And, sure, and, and those, those can make the store, the same kinds of stories that people have about the other aspects of the game. I think magic is inherently has that, right? There's the famous bonfire of the dam moment with Brian Kibler in the whatever Pro Tour World Championship Pro, Pro, something. There's what? tons of those stories in competitive magic too. Yes. The ah moments yeah, I think, are going to yeah. happen in magic. But I think, you know, a lot of people play commander and I'm not saying they're right or wrong. I'm just saying if this is what they like about it, I understand it, which yeah, is that they play commander because there was been all these cards printed. And you know, Nyx Bloom Ancient or Avacyn, like you said, or some whatever, nine mana, nine, nine with Annihilator. And when it enters the battlefield, do something cool like that. They just Path are like, of Kozilek? They're just like, I oh, want man. to play those Ooh, cards man. somewhere. And competitive EDH says, no, we're closing the door to those cards too. So it's like, okay, what format can I play those in? <laughs> I'm just looking around because I thought this was the one. And if it's not, yeah. then where am I supposed to go? And so I get that con. Like, I understand why a lot of people who play com regular casual commander don't want to go there. Yeah, I, I get it too. Yeah. I, I will say there is, within the space of the metas, the decks that are really good, um, there are a number of different styles to each of them and some of some of them are are more splashy than others so you can mm. still kind of i mean again your point is well taken but there there are there is still the space there that you can find well you know i want to be dropping this bomb or you know mm -hmm. like a, a yuriko deck where i want to flip over draco on the top and do 16 to everyone i mean there are still those kinds of big splashy things you can do yeah i would also argue that competitive edh is not even close to the majority of players so oh, no. in terms of what what it's pushing towards it's pushing a subset of players within a much larger play group towards a more competitive yeah. um, environment. And which this is, is, I think, not going to affect, again, the vast... 
the vast yeah, majority of people listening here, opinion. you're probably no, not going to be facing a CDH deck anytime. It's today. definitely not. And like, uh, my background is engineering. I have an engineering degree. And uh, what you do, like, if you're building a road and you want to have a sign a certain size so people can see it and make the turn or whatever, you always engineer for like 95% of people. Right. You don't engineer for the 5% who have perfect vision or terrible vision. Right. So I see like CDH is a very cool space to play around in if you like it, but I do not advocate for wizards to specifically you know turn towards you know that style or for all of us as a community to turn towards that style because it really is more like a five percent ten fifteen percent and the majority of people are still playing casually and that's totally fine okay let's put a pin in that because i think we're going to go come back to it later yeah. let's go to the next pro um this one I on your list and this with. one i think is actually yeah I like the this best one. This, this is my strongest point yeah, and this is a great yeah. point like yeah. yeah okay so you want to go ahead read yeah it. so i think one of the biggest pros for cedh is that everyone is on the same page and let's just be honest with ourselves when we go to a new uh, lgs or meeting new people you know the first time i came over and you met you at a magic fest met you guys mm-hmm. or go to magic fest it is hard to communicate with other people sometimes. Um, some people are very shy. Some people are very extroverted. Some people yell at you like I do. And so it's it's harder to get on the same wavelength without playing with these people for a month or what have you. What CEDH does is it immediately levels the playing field. You're like, okay, we're playing competitive. We all have tens. I know that deck. I know that deck. Mm. Even if you don't know it, you know, like, hey, you signed up for this. Yeah, you, yeah. you sign up for this. There's no feel bads. It's like, oh, you know, Narset Armageddon my lands. All right, shuffle up. Good play. Nice one. You know, it, there, right. there's, there's no room for, and there, there's no expectation of like, oh, I can't believe you did that. You're yeah. mean. Yeah. Why and aren't there, you and there's nice? no quote unquote pub stomping either. When someone comes into a competitive game, if everyone's playing, everyone knows what's going on. If you win, you win. That, that's just it. The feel bads come from when people aren't on the same page. And I think fundamentally that is a that is a uh, communication problem. I don't really think it's a it's a deck problem or a CEDH problem. No, if people not, yeah. were really vocal and uh, listen to your how to rate your deck episode and you were honest with people and you wanted to have a good time, then get on the same wavelength. And once you're there, I think um, CEDH really lends itself to we all know what we're doing. Let's let's play the craziest best games that we can i would also note that a pure cedh player if we had to like say you are a pure cedh player you have no interest in taking a power 9 10 level deck into a 6 7 field right that's not fun for you the, comp- the competition is not there and a lot of people at this point has been made across the internet a lot but cedh players are not pub stompers a pub stomper is someone you would consider that comes in with like a seven or an eight or a deck that's just built around being stacks but not trying to aggressively win on turn three or four and likes to take it into lower power situations and beat everyone handily I don't think that is interesting to a real, real quote unquote CEDH player. No, that is, that's just a toxic mindset, really. I mean, right. it's, that's it's, not a CEDH player. No. That person's not representing CEDH no. by that action. Yeah, they yeah, are yeah. just no, pub, a toxic just a, person. Yeah. A toxic player. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> pub stompers are people who want to make them. F- they want themselves to feel better by making others feel worse. Yeah. Uh, kind of uh, luring people into a situation that they don't fully understand. Which, by yeah. the way, why does that make you feel good? You looked up a deck on the internet and I, then you took it Or a it strategy into, or something, like, yeah. yeah. I'm talking to pub stompers here, which are like, yeah, you got something wrong with you because you're just <laughs> taking it in. You're taking a deck. You're taking a, a bazooka into a battle with a bunch of people who have nerf bats and like yeah why does that even make you, you feel good uh, well let me ask you this question maybe because i don't want to blow this out of proportion either yeah. have you encountered many 
It's very rare. I'll be honest. I, I will also rare, say yeah. it is a very rare thing. It's not. This isn't. This isn't. Uh, yeah. You know, a pandemic where no. it's like we got to stop no, all these no. people. This, but we this do is a hear, rare. Thing. I would say it's the one that we hear the most about because I, it does affect the people around the table much yeah, more. I, I think that's just, confirmation bias, where it's like that affected me that one time so much. I'm always going to remember it yeah. and forget every other time when it didn't happen. That's just more of a traumatic experience. Yeah. No, I get it. It's, hap- it's happened. To, it's happened to me where a guy sat down. He's like, "Don't worry about this," and then he blew me out. I was like, "What?" I. There are, there are like actually honest reasons for it to happen too, because I've been in at least a, a game or two where I realized that I was the problem. Yes, yes that's where I'm like, oh crap. I'm my, like, we talked and everything, but my idea of a seven was just what they would probably yeah. call a nine. And right. I'm like, my deck is just way too strong for what yes. they're doing. And you're in a weird spot there because if you pull your punches, like, that can be really demeaning and yeah, be I've seen had, as like condescending towards people. Yeah, I've had bad time. experiences with that too. Yeah. So listen, I think that's, a downfall of the format a little bit in the way that the casuals play it we're trading that in for some upside as far as like being able to play a bunch of cards that you couldn't play anywhere else Mm -hmm. and we're kind of having to navigate this thing but i agree that like cedh having the feature of that's just not there we just don't have to worry about it everyone just plays as hard as they can and we don't have to worry are you exactly on target with what i'm on target with oh what are you playing najila i'm playing goto we both know what's about to happen here let's do it yeah Yeah. or yeah 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 that makes sense or like people don't consider stacks to be a nine out of ten no you know people might consider stacks to be oh yeah yeah that's on the lower side of cdh it's it's more it's more uh again it's more of a puzzle it's like if you're playing like a derevi stacks or something like that it's like okay well i'm very heavily creature based I'm going to have to figure this out. Right. I do think the point is worth making one more time really quickly, which is not conflating CADH players with pub stompers. So there is a tendency, I think, out there among the casuals to just call anybody whose deck is too powerful in your pod and, you know, it doesn't seem like they were giving everybody a fair chance to have fun to just say, that's CADHer. That's not really very fair. They're a pub stomper. They're probably toxic. Maybe they're like me, though, in those situations, which was kind of an accident. Maybe you should give some people a break the, the, sometimes, the best, too. But the best people who are doing that will also say that. Yeah. We're like, right. oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, uh, or, or like, should I, you know, yeah. should I like. It's fine. Yeah. Maybe I should just continue. Should I, should I like, go out? you want me to do? Yeah, you don't want to ruin someone's day. But I don't think labeling them as CDHers and giving that, making it pejorative to just call somebody that they're competitive EDH yeah, player, yeah. I want to flip it around and be like, dude, that deck is competitive. Yeah. Like, yeah. CEDH, again, trying to win on turn three or four. Just because they have a lot of, you know, stacks-based things doesn't mean it is trying yeah. to win on turn three or four. So I would not consider yeah. that CEDH. Just because they have a mana crypt doesn't mean, but yes. I mean, but a lot of times it does. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's go to a con of cedh of this is an interesting one kyle because you're a frugal man i'm a very frugal man <laughs> and this can apply to a lot of decks but i think in general this applies a little bit more to the people CDH tend to complain about uh, us and our content because jimmy and i have large collections we've been around for a long time and so dude i looked at my tcg player history and i saw that i was buying uh mana vaults when they were three dollars and nice. i only bought one you're like, like why did i like 20 why did i buy out all of wisconsin <laughs> well yeah well yeah that's how it is when you look back at yeah. any form of investment yeah. anyway uh, the con is CEDH costs a lot of money. This is inarguable. If you want, if you are 
trying to play the most powerful version of a commander deck. You're going to need duels. You are going to need dual lands. You're going to need all the best mox, tours. You're going to need the mox, uh, mana yeah. crypt. You are going to need mox diamond. Vault. Uh, 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 foil Demonic Imperial. tutor. Of foil Imperial seal. Force of will. Wait, 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 wait. Mana drain. Why are we saying foil? Wait, foil? <laughs> They're about the same cost. Yeah, that is They're true. actually yeah, the same true. cost. Right. Um, so that is inarguable. Uh, it does cost a lot of money if you are the, at the tippity top. Like... In the same way that a legacy or vintage yeah. deck can yeah, cost I mean, a lot. Same idea, same do, content. Are there budget replacements for Time Twister? Yes. Are they a good, as good as Time Twister? No. So if you wanted the 100% power, it's just going to cost a lot of money. That being said, what the CEDH community is really good at is that in almost every primer, in every tapped out list or wherever you're looking at it, in every Discord, there are budget versions of everything and everyone is super helpful and uh, really kind of keen on trying to find these replacements uh, where you'll see posts like, oh, you know, this would be a perfect replacement for this or this can do an impression of that. Um, you know, I, I see commons and uncommons filling slots where you think it may not uh, be the best. You know, like uh, there's work going around that like a green dark confidant with uh okame adversary because it has a two three death touch you can get it in for less than four mana and when it deals combat damage to a player you draw a card mm. so when you're in green you're like well someone's probably gonna be playing black i can get it in for two no one's gonna block it it has death touch draw a card you know there are fun budget yeah, replacements yeah. for almost everything um some of these 100 percent decks cost between three and seven thousand dollars i'm not gonna lie but the budget versions can come way down to a like, lot of that is like to like okay. what you were saying in your stats episode like 500 yeah. or 700 which is on the high end but you know well i mean we found that f once you got to 500 the it was diminishing returns how much budget awesome. helped you at that point yeah. you yeah. did like 300 dollars decks were definitely at a disadvantage of 500 but $700 decks did not have basically any advantage over 500 I will say, though, that that data is in context of your other data because right. when everyone is playing competitive, I would guess that the 700 versus the 7,000 is a huge difference. Pro so so, it, so yeah. I think there's... And there definitely was a difference. There's different regimes as on. Yeah, there definitely was a difference between, like, that magnitude. Yeah, yeah 10 times right. the amount. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. that's just generally not how you're going to be playing... Yes. In, like, if you're in a group and somebody's got $7,000 decks, you're probably not there with your pre-con. No. So you're... <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Probably not. But that, definitely, like, the world is big. A lot of people play Commander, so yeah. some people are in that situation, but... And right. again, you can have a $7,000 deck that is a power five. It's definitely true. <laughs> yeah. You can't. So yeah. don't... Yeah. It's <laughs> it's all Feldegrift tribal. Just because you have a Bayou doesn't mean it's a competitive <laughs> aviation. <laughs> it's all right. true. Uh, this is pro potentially... This next point is one that you put down. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's potentially our most contentious point, so okay, okay, I'll let yeah. you go ahead and read I, I don't... I, yeah, I don't want to say this too, Evan necessarily but <laughs> just lean into it kyle you don't care if you get at it it's true i don't <laughs> yeah you're uh, supposed to be the devil here's, kyle, here's kyle's quote so okay in the in the uh Fine. in the notes it Fine, was it. with so much interaction and decision making you can almost feel yourself becoming a better player and as the pro and i wrote this down pro of cdh that's that i say it's a pro okay go ahead read it then so i think cdh play makes you a better player in general okay I threw my paper like I was mad that he said that. You know why? Why? Well, I was mad uh, that he said for, that. So for me personally, <laughs> you can you uh, a light can be shown on a, on a lot of things that you are doing that are that are maybe misplays or inefficient if you're trying to be competitive inefficient or maybe not the optimal thing and when you are trying to pilot a deck you know as perfectly as possible and you're trying to have tons of interaction there are there is 
just simply put more interaction points and more interaction at competitive level. Uh And so when you have to start doing that constantly, at least for me, it makes me a better player because I know I'm starting to have these new decision-making points that could make a big difference. Like when do you crack a fetch land? Sometimes it's super, super matters. You know, uh, for example, you know, the difference between cracking a fetch land, uh, just, you know, playing it, crack, you know, shock in or whatever. Sure. You, you go versus I'm going to wait to see if anyone has a vampiric tutor right. and then cracking it uh, on their end step. To see if you can shuffle that back in. I mean, there's, there's just more decision-making points. And for me, because of the puzzle aspect to it, it opens up more avenues for decision-making and it makes me feel like I'm being a better player. Not to say that it will make you a better player or that CEDH players are better that that's just not the case in in all cases um but i think when you start taxing yourself and like okay well this and this and that and that and i gotta should i counter this or should i i mean you you always say that counter spells are maybe the hardest cards to play and when you're running 15 sometimes those decisions are really hard to make and so i think you get better at decision making yeah i would argue that those decisions are very specific right yeah the whole fetch thing i would say 99 percent of the time in casual play it just doesn't matter so cedh makes you better in those very tight edge case scenarios where yes you every single decision does have a much larger impact in the same way that if you guys watched worlds there's two mono red decks facing off against each other a bunch of times and they would just sit there for minutes trying to figure out what to do because every single little move trying to think like three or four turns ahead that i think is something that is intriguing for cedh players and probably just not really within the realm of what a lot of people consider fun i think on the more casual side of things fair fair um, i mean my counterpoint would be that yes you're becoming a better at cedh right. doesn't make you a better magic player because i played limited with you kyle and you're horrible <laughs> at it well, that is true where a lot of people would <laughs> that is tr- good hey you, you i feel seen you got me <laughs> yes i play competitive i, I'm a, I tried to I'm get a, him to listen to limited resources and lords of limited look, so that he could we could he can a, draft with us listen i'm a listen. terrible limited player i think because i just don't play it but i am bad at it but and what i'm saying is like because skills don't translate one for one across formats like that it's like Absolutely saying that right. fo- playing football makes you a better football player it doesn't make you a, necessarily a better athlete than somebody who plays basketball right and so that's why i think exercising different muscles like politics is such a huge part uh, yeah. of casual commander and that's a skill you're not practicing very much in cedh yeah. so yeah does playing cdh make you better at politics no well i need that in casual commander so all of a sudden that's a skill i'm not getting so am i becoming a better magic player no i'm becoming a better cedh player and that's fine fair enough because there are different things emphasized in cdh than are in casual but maybe, that doesn't make you yeah. a better magic player maybe by virtue a good cedh player is also better at vintage or legacy than your things that are closer closer maybe. sure yeah, i yeah, would yeah. i'm i i <laughs> you got me but I, I, I would say that it's probably it's it's probably very evident that there is some skill bleed over yeah, each way though. Like you know, the, maybe it's the, not a hundred percent. It's not. It's definitely not a hundred percent. But yeah. thinking about the kinds of things that you need to to be competitive does just like def- the definitely on, bleed down into your casual deck building and stuff like that. All the time on our show, we will reference limited and draft yeah. as a reason why we've kind of come to conclusions or learned certain things. Yeah. And, and it's a different format, but that doesn't mean there's no bleed over so but i don't think that any more than limited makes me a better commander player does competitive edh make me a better 
Magic player. Sorry, I meant Magic player the first time around too. Yeah. So you understand yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, CDH, I, yeah. I think they emphasize they they flex different muscles. They work different muscles, and so I, I don't think it's fair to say. Well, okay, then my counterpoint is if you flex both of those muscles, you're going to get even stronger. Holy moly! Flex them all. Flex them all. So play casual and competitive. That's there, what, yeah. at well, least that's try. what the that's what Kyle wants you to do. <laughs> I mean, I think a lot get of us swole, like, baby. Like Jimmy and I, we play <laughs> limited as our competitive outlet. Sure. Yeah. So that's why. Yeah, yeah maybe, you guys crush me in that. That, <laughs> that and that's why maybe competitive. EDH is not something that we gravitate oh, towards. Oh, sure, because you're scratching that itch already. Yeah, exactly. Sure. For Commander, what I want to get out of it is like the yucks with the friends, and I do want to lean back from oh, the yeah. table. Oh, and yeah, not, fair enough. Yeah. And limited is where I'm like, nope, I'm going to kill you as fast as possible. There's no social contract. Yeah, so There's maybe no... that's why I lean a little bit more on the other side. Yeah. yeah, you play both kinds of Commander, and then you're able to scratch okay. both yeah. I would argue me. that there are times that my limited experience has made me a worse Commander player yeah. because <laughs> I might make an impulsive decision being like, well, I got to remove that right now instead of holding up an answer. Or whatever. Mm. So there, there's a lot to be said here, but I do agree that I think we can all agree that playing a format will make you better at that specific yeah. format. And we're considering competitive EDH to almost be its own format within Commander. Yeah, I, th- I think it really is. I, th- I guess that wasn't clear. That's a good point to make. Which yeah. in my brain, they're they're almost separate. I mean, we'll we'll talk about the, the implications of like rules and stuff at the end here. Yeah, um, I mean, there is a the, the 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 difference between like the tier zero deck in CEDH and any eight is huge. huge. It, it's a right. huge goal. It's like tier yeah. zero being the best deck in yes. CEDH, yeah. by the way. All right. Um, let's, we got a few more pros and cons. This next one is interesting uh, that you put down, Kyle. The, yeah, it's a pro know. of CDH is you get to add that top end to your collection. Yeah, and I don't know if this is more of a, I, I know you guys are big into the bling stuff. I, for me personally. He is. I'm, well, I'm less so, yeah. Yeah. Well, we're frugal Me and people. DJ. And uh, yeah. It's not that I'm frugal. It's just okay, that I'm a frugal. I'd rather build like another deck. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I, I have the dual problem, I guess. I just go, why not build two blink so, decks? Yeah. All right. I, I like, I like that um, you can add that top end to your collection. I like having the, you know, I don't really. I don't really build below like a seven, but uh, you know I have that seven to ten range. So if I if I'm going right. anywhere and playing with anyone at any LGS, any Magic Fest, anything like that, I can play with anyone. It's like, oh, do you have a deck that could do this? Sure. Or you could hand a friend like, oh, I'm gonna go play competitive. You want my casual deck to play with those people? Um, so there have been times. You know, I'm just trying to minimize the amount of time where it's like, oh, hey, we're grabbing this kind of game. Do you want to join in? It's like, eh. I can't. Yeah. I can't. So, so you know, money and stuff aside, I, I it's just... It's why I have one CEDH yeah, deck. I barely ever people. play it, but it's yeah. for the exact same reasons on the other side, maybe, where, yeah, it's like, I've been at places where they're like, we we want to do competitive. Mm-hmm. I, and I had to say no for so long that I was like, I'm going to build one so that yeah. I can say yes. Yeah. yeah, I just like to have the uh, the the full the full spectrum. So whatever I'm doing, I, I know I get to play Magic. To your earlier point, though, I'm very bad at playing it because I never play it. So I, I can't. Theory is uh, maybe you're gonna have to. Yeah. I didn't pick an easy one either. No, so yeah, no, and there's there is harder ones. <laughs> there's a lot there's, of lines. There's a twenty, a literally a twenty page primer on how the Gitrog monster combo works. No, Gitrog is yeah. Oh gosh. All right, all right. Uh, let's not get bogged down in those weeds. Uh, bogged down ah, in the bogged swamp. Bogged down in the swamp. <laughs> all right. Uh, okay, you did it. Yeah, I did. We did. Um, all right. The next pro here you have listed down is that you get to play with the best and strongest cards. Yeah. So okay. We get in trouble when we say better and best. Powerful. Let, yeah. Let's go with power. You get to play with some of the most powerful cards printed in Magic. Yeah, and, and again, if you can't afford it, if you have a big collection, you can even proxy. A lot of playgroups are fine with, they know you want to try out a deck or something like that. Sure, print a proxy of a $500 card. It's fine. You know, Definitely that's fine. try it out before you yeah, buy it. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, try it sure. before you buy it. I, I've had a deck that was 100 cards were proxies. 
It's like, I just want to try it. I don't want to buy all Because what if you go, eh, it's not that fun. Which which happened. Yes. Which happened. And then I saved myself a lot of money. (laughs) Um, So... If you're if you're like me and you you never had a big collection and you're pretty frugal, I've never had that experience of like what's it? I mean, and this I mean, this is like a magic player thing, I, I guess. But I never had that feeling of like casting a mana drain, right? Or playing a mana crypt, or or it's pl- or playing an imperial seal. There is a certain feeling that sure. comes with knowing you're playing like this crazy powerful card, the legendary card, the from legendary the game. card. Yeah, exactly. And there's there's some. It's like why people play powered cubes. Like yeah. You get to cast black freaking Lotus. Yeah, there's yeah. some je ne sais quoi to it where yeah. you're like, I cast this. Whoa. You know, so I, I like having that feeling where for the longest time I hadn't. You know, right. it was more like, yeah, rampaging Bayloths is cool, but, you know. Some people might feel the same way about a seven man enchantment on the other side of things. So, you know, yeah. I think it is really personal taste here. Sure. Because I do enjoy both sides of it. I love landing that mind's dilation because you know it's yeah. going to do work, but I also love being able to manage drain someone out of their. Yeah, maybe existence. it's a personal thing with, you know, just growing up with magic. You know, I got my first uh, pre constructed deck, I think is when Spikes came out. Oh, that's why I'm a Spike. Uh, we just figured it out. It was when uh, it's when Spike Feeder came out. Oh my! I'm having an insight. Uh, but it's when the spikes came out. It was like 1998, 99. Uh-huh. So I've grown up with Magic my whole life, and seeing these legendary, you know, cards, and just having them built up in my head, and never having one. So dipping my toe into CEDH, and you know, finally playing a Force of Will or what have you. I don't know. There's there's something to it. It, it, know, does, it does it for me. It scratches an inch there. Yeah, I had written down a counterpoint here. Here, which was that you know best is a tough word because some people think like the best spell is mind's dilation or sunbird's invocation or some right seven mana or regeneration because it looks like me yeah or avicen <laughs> or whatever it does look like some you. big thing. um but you convinced me I, there is a quality to casting the sort of legendary cards from our game the yeah. you know we can't play black lotus obviously but guys cradle type thing yeah the right? mana drains and the big cards that like i mean but but that that's yeah, your point if it. black lotus mm-hmm. was legal it the, would be the, sweet the to feel, cast. The feeling of playing it and putting it down, everyone's like, whoa. You know, like, there's something immaterial to that. It just feels If you ever play powerful. Powered Cube, it, it is. There's something yeah. about, like, there's a mox in the pack. You take the mox. You have a mox in your deck. You cast mox. Whoa. It's just not something you do every yeah. day. I, yeah. Think, yeah. I think that quality, because Mana Drain for me doesn't fit that bill anymore, because I've cast it enough times. that. But like, I've never had one. I only got one recently, and yeah. still, to me, it's like, I'm just whoa. saying, I think it's fleeting. I think that quality sure. is actually fleeting. Sure. I think the yeah. more you do it, the less will have. Like, if you had a... If Moxes were legal. Well, some of them are, but yeah. if the the Power Nine moxes were legal and you had one in your deck, it would be awesome to play it the first few times, and after that, you would get used to it. Yeah, for me, that that comes into play when I get to play an Alpha Lightning Bolt. The card itself is just old and legendary and has the feel, but it's yeah. not necessarily powerful. Nope, so yeah, I, I think there enough. are a lot of ways to get your satisfaction in this realm. Yeah, if I could play Mizrael from those from those days, I would. <laughs> or Mirozel. What was it? I don't know. It. We don't know. He was a big fish who was terrible. He had two, three flying. If he's a target of spell over return him to your hand. It's imprinted in my mind. I don't know. But somebody out there oh, can put it in the oh, comments. It's a, oh, it's a card. Oh, it's a card. <laughs> All right, let's go to the last con on the list. Uh, and this was one I put down, which is less deck diversity. So mm-hmm. what we're talking about here is like competitive EDH. You have to have low mana curves. There's a whole bunch of... Sh- cards that you can't even play like wraths and things anything over five mana also we didn't talk about this yet but we can mention it here like competitive decks fall into basically two categories combo or stacks more or less yeah so there's no voltron there's no like token decks there's no super friends decks there's no there might be aspects of some of the things but there are archetypes within 
each kind of paradigm, but it broadly falls into you're comboing out or you're trying to stop people from comboing before you do. Right. And to your point earlier, you said, um, which is true, It's uh, when we mentioned like, they look kind of like legacy decks. There's a certain package of cards yes. that are in most of them, 20 to 25, maybe 30 cards. If you're playing, you know, Sultai colors, there's yeah. going to be certain cards that are just in all of them. This is, uh, this means less less format diversity. There's no combat damage really wins in, at all. Yeah, in only CDH. a few only a few decks do combat damage. Najila does. Um, it's, but it's but more you're of a solved format. It's not 100 percent solved. No, no, but there's less. Uh, well, I, I just think that deck diversity is a thing that no, a lot you're, of people you're, do you're, like about You're absolutely formats. right. I mean, like like we said, uh, if you're playing Sultai, there is 20 to 25 incident sorceries that go in all of them, regardless of what it's trying to do. People so, get mad that Soul Ring exists because they're like, I only have 99 cards to play with. So, right. you know, it's CEDH. If, you, if you're thinking that's CEDH, probably not for you because you're like, uh, you're really only playing with like 40, 40 50, cards. Yeah, maybe, yeah it, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of very common shells that go yeah. around to different decks. And again, it's, it's about, you know, trying to play the best cards the most optimally. But you're right. There is less, you know, single card diversity in a lot of these decks. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's not what they're really going for. Uh, you did have a point, though, a counterpoint here that I thought was interesting, which is that, like, the with an established meta, yeah, there is maybe more excitement over being able to shift that meta, and yeah. so so the ability within CDH to you know experiment is still there. It's oh, not yeah. like there's none. Absolutely, it's not like there's none, and so maybe you get a little bit more of a thrill being able to shift the entirety of the meta. Like, there's not a casual commander deck that can really come out. Well, that's maybe not true. Like. There's a card. Like, if a track that comes a, out, exactly. it'll shift the yeah, casual meta. But there's not a build that Jimmy or I are going to invent tomorrow that's going to shift the way everybody builds deck yeah. in, and in that, casual that commander. Is a, that is a big excitement, especially in the community, you know, on the, all their discords and stuff like that. If someone or a group of someones happen to come up with a new line, a, a new combo, a new interaction, it can ripple throughout the whole community and, like, Oh, now every like everyone we, has we, to react to that. We have to react to it. We all right. got to do it. This happened with Thassa's Oracle, um, which made waves in the CEDH community because um, it's basically replacing Lab Man, and it's basic uh, Laboratory really Maniac. Improved the deck, right? Yes. It, like, it, it like hyper powered. Yeah. Yeah, you you talked about it a lot. You can watch their episode uh, talking about Thassa's Oracle, but it basically gave a new line to the most and fastest and most efficient combo win there is uh, with Protein Hulk and Flash. Um, and so... Fish Hulk now it's called, I believe. Fish Hulk, uh, Sushi Hulk, Sushi or Hulk, right. Oracle Hulk. Um, but when that card was printed, rippled out. So any... So decks started to be like... out before it was printed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> like, so now decks, even like five color decks like Najila or something like that, is like, oh, can we fit a Flash Hulk package into this? Will that work? Will this line work? Right. So It's just still, so good. Right? Yeah, yeah, so there's still a lot of shifting and, when, and that's kind of the thrill right if you if you're the person who can like come up with some way of doing something some meta buster something you're like that was me who did that like right. my contribution is is known to the people to the community oh yeah shaper savant made that deck or blah blah, blah you know siggy from laboratory manics did that or right. you know so there's there's um there's some glory to be had in, in doing that kind of stuff where in casual it's like uh, which is still fine you know it's like oh i decided to put this in moldrotha and be like Okay, cool. Yeah, that that was fun when you did that. Yeah. <laughs> Grave Titan is good. I agree. <laughs> uh, okay. That's going to do it for our pros and cons. Before we, we, we uh, move on to the next little talking point here, I did want to ask you because I'm just curious. Yeah. This has nothing to do with our discussion exactly, but what are the current best decks in CEDH? Yeah, so it, it fluctuates, of course, um, but... 
Oddly enough, unlike any other uh, commander format or way of playing, the best deck is kind of inarguable. It is a single deck. It is a Timna and Thrasios pairing. And that Timna and Thrasios pairing runs uh, the Thassa's Oracle line, like we were talking about, um, a Fish Hulk, if you will. And because of its colors, it has all four except for red, because uh, Timna Timna is immediate card advantage yeah. and it's low CMC, because Thrasios can at any time go infinite and if win. You, you make infinite mana, you win. Right. Um, it just has the best lines, the best colors, the lowest CMC, the most card advantage. It is the best deck. Can we um, not say the best colors like that? <laughs> That's redless. Yeah. I mean, He's like, on. oh, come on, There's man. some competitive stuff with red. <laughs> Thank you. Najila. All right. Yeah. And, but, uh, but below that, there is still a lot of wiggle room. There's a lot of different tiers, as, as the community would call them. There's right. uh, uh, First Sliver, uh, First Sliver, Najila, Gitrog, uh, Kenrith. These are all slightly below. And then there's another tier uh, below that that has... I'd say 9.5s to 10s, where it's still fun, but it's not the tippity-top. Basically, the partner pairs make up the majority of the best mm. decks, and then you can have things like, you know... Uh, go down the list from there. Go down the... Like, my Silvala deck right. is in that lower tier. Um, I wanted to make the point, because people hear us talk about uh, decks like this, like, that's the top deck, and I think they frame it wrong in their mind, which is like there's still a bunch of decks that on any given game couldn't beat that deck. Yes, yeah. and if the meta adjusts accordingly, it can absolutely be beaten and handily beaten, but it's, in a vacuum. Yeah, yeah. It, it has the highest chance to win, but it's not with, 100%. With no, like we said, uh, yeah. for these decks, with no interaction, yeah, I mean, this yeah. thing is going to be crazy consistent. In, in fact, well, we can get to this when you talk about the ban stuff, but... Okay, um, I real quickly, so there, I think there's this idea out there, we mentioned it earlier, that you got to be casual or competitive. There's definitely been... I feel like there's a growing rift mm. between the competitive people and the casual people. Um, a lot Received of Perceived even. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Is there even a growing rift, do you think, Kyle? If it, is there anything that sort of needs to be fixed between those two communities? Can we fix it if there is? Like, well, what do you think about all this? aside from the communication issue, which I think is the root of a lot of feel-bads and why people have these personal, like, uh, f uh, emotional reactions to stuff, because something you know, annoying or bad happened to them. And I get it, but I think it's a communication issue. Aside from that, um, I, I, I mean, what, what would you call me? Would you call me a casual or a competitive player? Or I think you play with a competitive mindset. And your I think you're a competitive player that win. can play, that will play casual. Yeah. I don't see a whole lot of riff there. To me, it seems no, like, yeah, it yeah, seems yeah, like yeah. a spectrum of play style. It, for us, we know. Yeah. And it's fine. And I've been doing this for a long time openly, which is like, I know Kyle's got strong decks. I'm not mad about it. I just know like, try and counter the first thing he does or try and slow him down early somehow. And then everything's fine. And if I don't, I don't get mad. I get what I get, right? Like it's like oh, I didn't do that. He mm -hmm. won. He he kicked my butt. Like well, it's, it's fine. Yeah. Well, yeah. So and, and in that instance, it's not it's not a rift. If we both no. know what's happening, if we're both agreeing on, you know, I I play with the kind of decks I want to play. You and you know, are we on the same wavelength with this? And then yeah. we we do what we do. I I think it's a reactionary thing, like you said, Jimmy, where it's like you have one or two bad experiences, or you know, someone plays a card that you don't agree with or something. You're like. You are this, and I don't like you, and now you're in that group. Well, I think at the end of the day, everyone has invested time, money, and effort into building their decks, as well as transportation, yeah. wherever it is. No, to get I, to where no. they are, they don't have a chance to play all the time. So as a result, if you have a bad experience after doing all, that's like going to Disneyland and being like, it wasn't as fun as I wanted it to yeah. be. It's like, well, unfortunately, sometimes it's not going to be what exactly you expect, but don't take that experience to apply it to the whole. Yeah, I think really... I. 
talk to each other and give each other the benefit of the doubt. We all want to play a fun game. And I, I think that kind of sorts a lot of stuff out. Uh, I think also make room in your brain for the fact that like, just because a deck had a really good showing in one game doesn't really mean a lot. Oh, yeah. It, people adjust real quick. Well, not just that. Like, you could just have a good draw, and a deck can just have a really good game and blow everybody out, and that yeah. doesn't mean the person lied about how powerful their yeah. deck is. It could just be, like, that's just what happens. And they will often say that, like, wow, that never happens. Yeah, I'm exactly. sorry. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, Cassius may be the perfect example of this. Sometimes I get a turn three Ugin out, and everyone's like, whoa, it's the most powerful thing ever. Other times he hasn't put enough lands in his deck and he doesn't draw them. So right. it's like, you know, it doesn't yeah. always end up being that. But way. if you only catch one game with that person, yeah. a lot of people walk away and just automatically be like, well, that person's a jerk. They lied about but, their power level. Give them a benefit But of that's doubt. a lot of people's interactions in at a, a, a Magic Fest or, yeah. or a store. Yeah. If you only have one interaction with, with people, you... you should really make sure that you're you're talking to each other so you don't have that. But it can still happen even if you've talked, yes. and that's my point, which yeah. is like, don't automatically just jump to that person lied about their deck or their deck's way more powerful. Yeah. It's very, very probably could be like, they just had a good draw. They had a god draw that hand. It's fine. Yeah. It doesn't mean that there's anything bad about them. Play another game with them. If yeah. it happens eight times in a row, sure. Or two times. Or if I can read it on your face. Because <laughs> I look. All right, well, we kind of... I just want to touch on this. We're just kind of hitting uh, competitive EDH talking points now in no particular order because we've got you here, Kyle, and hey. we're, we're close to the subject. Um, right around the time Thassa's Oracle came out, we talked about this. You mentioned it earlier. Yeah. There was a lot of hullabaloo around the CEDH community. Um, I wanted to ask, yeah, that obviously panned out how everyone feared. Yes. Is that true? Uh, well... Because uh, the fear was Thassa's Oracle is going to ruin competitive EDH. It will make one deck that everyone will have to play so and it'll become a one deck format, format. It, it, yeah. yeah exactly jimmy right now it is the boogeyman of the format and uh, when i talked with members of the community i mean what they will say is a it is theoretically the best deck because of Thassa's Oracle now. Mm -hmm. But B, when metas adjust, they can make sure it's not as much of a boogeyman. Um, so... So we don't know yet if it's a one-deck format? Well, see, now from my perspective, I'm just speaking personally, yeah. not from the community. What I see is that every single deck who can run the colors and the line for Flash, Thassa's Oracle, Protean Hulk, is now doing it. Mm -hmm. oh, where it is becoming the win condition. If you can play it, you play it... Hmm full stop Not if it's going to work so it is proliferating into like uh i play five color Najila, which is mostly like try to get an infinite combo with attack steps now there's a archetype called layered Najila, where it's like well it's five color we can fit a flash hulk package in there so right. it, it is reducing kind of the flavor in in my opinion and I will say, on the most viewed deck list for the Thrasios Timna pairing, the Fish Hulk, the Sushi Hulk, at the bottom it says in big bold letters, it says the creators of this list unanimously, unanimously think that the <laughs> rules committee should ban Flash. Well, that's that's the biggest thing on the deck list. Should they? Yeah, that's the thing we. So, so I know you. I know yeah. you're you're too close to this, but if I'm not that close to it, yeah. Well, you have some. There's some skin in the game. What what I will say personally is that I don't think Flash should be banned if it's only affecting like engineering thinking again. If it's only really oh, affecting five percent of of Flare Magic raise. as a whole. This is the sign. Make it just big enough for ninety-five yeah, percent. It's it's hard to make that argument. Do you think CEDH should become have its own ban list then? Mm, what I will say is that I, I think if 
the Flash Hulk package, you know, those kind of cards start making it out into the wider Magic community, I think it's a much stronger argument. I know that um, the arguments uh, for banning it in the community competitively are pretty strong. And, and a lot of people are like, oh, this, you know, we, this deck and it's the boogeyman. But from an outside perspective, I think it's hard to legislate things that are going to affect a minority of people. When well, it, when a it's, vast minority. A vast yeah, minority yeah, of people yeah, when, yeah. It's, when it's not the overall uh, goal of the format and then the players who are playing that format. I so I think if the card starts making it out into casual groups where you're running into like... I mean, it wouldn't be an eight anymore, but if you run into, you know, an eight uh, Mildrotha deck that's starting to run Flash Hulk packages and stuff like that, you're like... It could conceivably be an eight if it had, like, no tutors to find it, so it would just have to naturally draw the right yeah, stuff. Yeah, but, right? but, but still, then you have that feel bad where it's like, well, I thought you were playing an eight, and you're just like, I play one card. Do you have yeah. any interaction? No, I, I win. win. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you're like, well, what? So if it starts making it out, the argument gets stronger. I see their point, but I don't know if you can do anything about it. I mean, it's never going to make it out. Just like, now. casuals, we're not going to play Flash. Like, we... It's well, Flash, like we, Flash's Flash Oracle Hulk. could be a thing. It's Flash like, and Hulk well, you, revolves around, like, three other cards in the deck, too. So now you're giving up five slots to make this work, well, right? Well, this was why Protean Hulk was banned in the first place. Yeah. Right. And, and yeah. It's it's interesting. Um, obviously... I, I, see, I see both sides. Yeah, yeah. If you were on the rules committee tomorrow, just you, oh, on the rules committee tomorrow... Uh, would, and they called, you know, hear ye, hear ye, we're having a vote. <laughs> What's your vote? Uh, and they said, do you think Flash should be banned? What do you vote? I'm gonna knock you. <laughs> I think, I think I'm I, gonna ban you all. I think, I think there, since this was from the latest set, Right. I think we do need to see time to see if metas can shift enough to deal with it. Yeah. And it, it like Wizards does. And if it simply cannot deal with it, and if there's a way to track this, but you know, Wizards does the same thing with competitive decks. Right. If the majority of decks run this thing and it and it wins, you know, more than fifty percent of the time if you have it, then I think yes, you ban it. But right now I I, I would not because it's been it's been what, a month? Two months? Since, well, Enough, since January. Not even. Yes, a it's, it's been it. a month. So yeah. With uh, about three months of online. The, the internet and Reddit and Twitter tend to amplify things beyond what is actually representative tend of to, people. Yeah. Uh, so I'd, I'd say we need more time. Okay. I, I need more. Go go to the next Magic Fest and go to you know, I think the competitive table and see, and see what's happening. You, know? yeah. you just got kicked out of the CEDH community. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry I'm we sorry. did that to you. Hey, yeah. man. I only know you for a little bit anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. Uh, one last point I wanted to make because I was, as we were sort of formulating this episode and, and you and I were talking and Jimmy and we were sort of coming up with the talking points and what we were going to say and how we were going to have this debate, quote unquote. Yeah. Yes, it's not clickbait. It's clickbaity. Yeah. Too we're, bad. We're That's how this people. system works. Yeah. How uh, do you think all this happens? <laughs> um, I kept thinking of this anecdote, anecdote in my head, which is because I play, grew up playing a lot of basketball, mm. and there are basically two ways to play basketball. You go to the gym, and there's just some people on the court, and maybe you've come with some friends, maybe you haven't, and you just play what we call pickup basketball. Mm. There's no ref. There's no clock. You just play. You call your own fouls. There's no free throws. Like, everybody's familiar with pickup basketball that's been in and around a gym at all. Mm -hmm. yeah. Then there's organized basketball. Yeah. And organized basketball has a ref, has a clock. You have to, like, substitute players in a certain way. You got uniforms. You know, they call fouls. You shoot free throws. They even do the baskets a little differently. In pickup basketball, it's usually ones and twos. So if you're out of the three-point line, it's actually a two-pointer. Uh, that's broken, by the way. You should shoot only twos. Um, <laughs> but... 
in, and but regular organized basketball because they have free throws will have one twos and threes. Um, but this is very similar to me mm. in that you can be both, right? You can. I played organized basketball. I yeah. played pickup basketball. In pickup basketball, there's a, a lot more social interaction. You're going to try and just like everyone's there to have fun. So if one guy's going to hog the ball the whole time, yeah. you don't want to play with that guy and you won't like him and <laughs> everybody will be mad. Whereas in organized basketball, generally, there's a tournament structure of some kind. You're trying to win games. You will get it to your best player. You'll get try and get your best player open. They will shoot at way higher percentage shots yeah. and handle the ball more than most people because the goal in those cases is to win. Yeah. And that's just kind of understood. You might have a defensive stopper. Nobody really does that in pickup basketball. And so I just thought it was really interesting that like competitive EDH and regular EDH are not having a problem that no one's ever had before. Games yeah. have had this problem yeah. before. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't even know if it's a problem. You know, some, yeah, yeah. Something, yeah. something that like uh, Jimmy and I do, we rock climb occasionally. And, True. you know, rock climbing is so diverse in skill and how seriously you want to take it that it's something you could take a first date to if neither of you have ever climbed before and you can have a great time. Yeah. You can also be a world champion athlete and be sponsored by red bull right. so like if if you want to play competitively if you want to get in the competitive scene great good for you you're doing that thing you can have fun with it but it, there's it's a spectrum rather than a rift you know you can you can work up to it you can nudge up against it you can tip your foot uh, tip your toe into it but uh it's it's really what is the most fun for you and you, you can do either as long as you're being communicative with uh the people you're playing with and you're being you know good-hearted and just trying to have fun playing this game it's yeah. a game. And I think that's the big takeaway here, which is like you would never look at organized basketball players and be like, they're a bunch of jerks. They're just trying to win. And you would never look at yeah, pickup yeah. basketball players and say they're just inherently worse be- than the other basketball I, players. I can't believe that he dunked on me. How dare he be seven foot seven? You yeah. should make the rim higher. <laughs> <laughs> but somehow in our space, we yeah. tend to have sometimes people that have that type of outlook. And I find that like just switching the game to another game that's very similar and looking at it makes it you sort of realize how ridiculous it is. And of course, we're going to get yelled at because yeah, just, just know what kind of just, intellectual just, contagion. Just know what kind of court you're on. Yeah, just talking about it, of course, is yeah. influencing the community in the wrong yeah. way and all that, and it's all ridiculous. Think about sorry. this way. I want to go play a pickup game of basketball. I just bought my new shoes, got a ball that's inflated, may not be the regular size, and I go in and the court is filled with ex-pros. I'm not going to go play with them. I'm going to well, go yeah, to the you're totally going to play. Because if Magic Johnson's going to pass you the ball one time, you're going to be yeah, stuck. Sure, sure, sure. That, yeah, that situation that has thing. happened to I'm me I'm not before. walking in and being not like, magic. I'm going to mess with these guys. I'm going to yeah. show them what's up. It's like clearly, and it's they communicated with their body size and the fact that they're Magic Johnson. <laughs> magic Johnson? Magic the Gathering magic Johnson? Magic the Gathering Johnson? We did it. Like we we did it. it. That's why you came here today. All right. Yeah. To the listeners, what do you think about competitive EDH, CEDH? Have you tried it? What do you think the rules committee should be doing in regards to balancing the format for more competitive players? Do you agree with Kyle? And Jimmy and I also have the same thought, which is, you know, the engineering thing or I mean, only it, yeah. make the sign the if right was, size for 95%. If it was 50-50, it's a stronger argument. It but is. if it's but if it's 90-10, it's a little bit tougher. Yeah. Um, but interested to hear everybody's thoughts out there and their experiences with competitive EDH. Hopefully we've opened some people's eyes on both sides. Please don't yell at us. Of the All right. Yeah, All right. Say that yeah yell at me. Yeah. Um, yeah, yell at Kyle. Yeah, yeah, please. He's, look, he's, laying, he's yeah. laying you yell. Give me them hate subs. If you want... Do those to, exist? Yeah. <laughs> okay. If you want to power up your decks in mean and unmean and regular and competitive ways, well, in fact, there's one place you can go to do all of that. <laughs> 
You can make your decks less powerful or more powerful. Right. It's true. By checking you take out, out your tutors, you need new cards to put in their exactly. place. Exactly. <laughs> Something's got to fill that sleeve. Yeah. yeah, more of a dog can always. All right, it's cardkingdom.com slash command zone. That's our affiliate link. By using that link, you directly support this show, and you can buy your magic singles, sealed products, and more. Everything that you need. Board games, too. Heck, maybe you're too tired of losing the competitive decks. Just play some Settlers of Catan instead. You can get that at cardkingdom.com slash command zone. And, you know, even if you buy one of these other games, they usually have cards. Yeah, they do. And you don't want those to get banged up. In fact, it's almost worse if a single card gets banged up in, like, your board game. Yeah, it's because, irreplaceable. Yeah, you have to buy the whole freaking box again. <laughs> they don't sell little replacements. Yeah, they don't, they don't usually sell singles. So for oh. some games, they do, but not all of them. Yeah, not all of them. So you should protect all that stuff with Ultra Pro products. If you put that into a nice Eclipse sleeve, yeah. if you put that... If you make sure you play on play mats so that your cards aren't getting scuffed up, they're not getting dirty. Totally. Uh, of course, Ultra Pro has satin tower deck boxes to really keep your entire decks not just... I got 10 of them. Yeah, not just safe, but they also like are compact, so you can pack a bunch with you if you're going to like a Magic Fest or something. And then you can get harassed by the TSA. <laughs> Which is always fun. True, but at least it's easy to open and you know when you close it, it's going to be nice and secure. Magnets, yeah. baby. How do they work? Ultra Pro definitely makes the best stuff to protect your stuff. All right, Kyle. Now Ooh. it's time for the end step where yeah. we talk about something cool outside the world of Magic. Tell us. Do you pass priority? I pass priority. All right, it's to the end step. Okay. It's my end step. Yeah. All right, so let me, let me go to the... Now he's going to combo off. No, let me go to the... Let, let me clean up. So, uh, yeah, so uh, in the last couple of weeks, there's been a couple of changes. So now I have a new channel. It's not because science. It's a new channel where I will be posting all of my nerdy videos, doing all of my nerdy stuff. If you've liked anything that I've done over the last few years, um, five and a half years doing science communication stuff, nerdy stuff, if you like any of that, I would encourage you to join me there. Um, Even have, if you haven't seen Kyle's videos, I mean, it's... Yeah, they're great. It's conceivable that there's a few people out there, maybe, Kyle, that this is their first yeah, introduction sure. to you. Uh, do you want to just go through oh, what yeah, your yeah, channel yeah. is going to be for, you know, for those people? Sure. I there are papers everywhere. But yeah, I've, I've been throwing them. Okay. Three uh, people, nine sheets, or 12 sheets. That's yeah, what you get. So uh, I've, if you want it in a nutshell, as once described by someone on Twitter as Millennial Bill Nye with Depression. So uh, that, that gives you a pretty clear uh, idea of what I'm about. That, Science that Thor, I've also heard. Science Thor, I like uh, that one. Science Thor. Uh, although I think I'm going to do a Geralt of Rivia kind of look now. Because oh, nice, I think nice. Thor's Science Geralt. Science, Science Geralt. Yeah. But yeah, so if you've never uh, seen me or heard me before, what I do is try to get to um, the science in your everyday life, the science in your pop culture, everything, the world around us is wondrous. And what I want to do is if you haven't had the opportunity to have like a wonderful teacher throughout your life. I've been very fortunate to have really, really fantastic teachers at every level of my education. And I feel almost morally obligated. If I can be a good teacher for anyone, I should be a good teacher for you. So what I'm trying to do on this new channel, which is just youtube.com slash Kyle Hill Science, what I'm trying to do is introduce you to basic and very fascinating uh, scientific concepts, theories, uh, sci-fi stuff where you can hopefully take away uh, something interesting you've learned at least one thing for the day and uh it has a new little spin on it i uh i'm the administrator at the facility a vast underground complex Ooh. where we learn many nerdy Ooh, things together nice. and you can join me there at the facility it's it's look i'm not i'm not gonna lie the just the upkeep on this place the hvac costs is nuts yeah it's millions of dollars a year but and it's a great. lot of green screen right and a, what what <laughs> 
you don't know anything about video production. It's a huge, <laughs> massive underground, underground facility. Kyle's been building it for six years. For years. And now that I've escaped the void, I'm back at the facility, and you can join me there on Patreon, on YouTube, everywhere. Uh, I would, if you've seen my show at all, please join me in this new place. I'm going to need all your help. And uh, if you do come and help me, that's going to ensure that I can join these boys for more videos in the near future. Ooh, Indeed. For sure. We'll have all the links, of course, in the more info box below. Or you can Thank just you. Google or YouTube Kyle Hill. It's exactly how it sounds. Oh, and uh, he, you'll find him. Kai, hi, the science guy. Kai High the Sex Sure. That's right. Uh, That's the hill you're dying Kyle on. Kyle Hill Science will get it done. Yeah, Let me Kyle Hill really Science. Quick here. Yeah, yeah. At the time they're watching this, your channel will have just launched, and I think you'll have one video out. Yes. Can you tease that video for us? I hate to break it to you guys. Yeah. Uh-oh. But you've never seen anything in the present. Everything you've ever seen is in the right. past. Right. There's a light delay. Light takes time to travel, and your brain takes time to process that light. So... Everything you've ever seen is in the past. It's all been <laughs> it buffered. Ki- it kind of throws out free will. I mean, we definitely oh. don't have it because of that, but that's another topic. So, because light takes some time to travel, when you look in something like a mirror, you're seeing yourself as you were like nanoseconds ago. Right. But if that's the case, what if theoretically you moved a mirror out a light year in space? Oh. Could you see yourself in the deep past? Could you use a space mirror as an optical time machine? Ah, to see yourself oh, in the past. I oh, see what you mean. Oh, yes. See your past self in the mirror. I do yourself. that all the time. I just watch our old videos. Yeah. Yeah. I. You could use a camera, but I'm talking about space mirrors because <laughs> they're cool. Does that mean we have to do this podcast again? Yes. Okay. I want to go back and don't look at any of my stuff from like five years ago. I look like a, I look like a little boy, <laughs> like a Justin Bieber, but like worse. If that's possible. I don't like the mustache now. Okay. All right, all right. Makes sense. Oh, are you guys not up on all this? Make sure you all check out Kyle Hill's mustache. Uh, Google him, YouTube him. Again, use your space mirror. Use yeah. your space mirror. We also talk with him constantly on Twitter. You can find them on all of those under Psy underscore file. Thank you right. so much. Yes. I cannot wait to be back. Uh, I want to be back on game nights. We'll get it done. Yeah. For sure. You're pretty yeah. close, so yeah. we can figure it out. <laughs> all right. Special thanks to our editing, graphics, and logistics team, which is Craig Blanchett, Ashlyn Rose, Lady Danger, Manson Lung, Alfred Estaca, Josh Murphy, Jake Boss, and Sam Waldo. Have no idea yeah, they, which of that team is going to be cutting this specific I don't, I don't episode. Know if, yeah. I don't know if y'all know that at home, but I'm not I'm not affiliated with their team. They have a huge team here. It is fantastic well, how much content they get out. There's like six people over there doing stuff right now just yeah. for you. So... Go on their Patreon and give them stuff. Yeah, it's no, crazy. We already, we already plugged it. We don't have to plug it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We are still the production quality here. We're constantly down. Look the person, on, uh, look though. on other places on YouTube. Does it look like this? Nah. We haven't found Sam Waldo in years. We're not sure where he's at. <laughs> anyway, big thanks always uh, to Jeffrey Palmer who provides the living card animations behind us here on set, as well as starting and ending our episodes at YouTube.com/slash The Command Zone Podcast. And you can appreciate Jeffrey by finding him on Twitter at Living Cards MTG. And we always appreciate Kyle. I didn't tell Kyle to say any of he that. He did. <laughs> There's another piece of paper underneath that's just like, it's got like a picture Love of our stuff yeah, or else, Kyle. It's got like a, a skull and bones on it, too. Do you know how many other channels just have lights? None of them. <laughs> right, One more for the road. Thanks for watching. Yeah, Bye. we'll see you next time. Peace. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator.
Greetings, humans. (laughs) Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. 